Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. Marshall Scheid is on the show with us today to talk about some retirement planning for our public school listeners. If you are not one of them, don't turn this off as I would say the lessons and mistakes that Marshall will share will certainly be applied and can be applied outside of public school retirement planning. But I would ask what makes Marshall qualified to talk about this? I'll tell you. (laughs) Marshall started his financial planning career in 2014. And from the beginning, he was meeting with teachers, principals, business offices at school districts, superintendents, and more. And he's helped literally hundreds of our public school employee clients navigate their pension options, 403B plans, Roth IRAs, insurances, and getting these folks organized and on track and all of the things that come with a financial plan. So I hope that makes sense. Marshall, thank you for doing this. How are you today? Man, I am. I'm outstanding, David. Thank you for thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about this because I think, like you alluded to it, I've been dealing with this type of stuff for quite some time now, and I really, really enjoy talking about this and helping people out because it's not the most it's not the most uh, confusing thing. But for some reason, it just seems like school districts make this stuff confusing on purpose. I don't know what it is. Yeah, don't pick on our public school friends too much, Marshall. But but I know it, it can be confusing. You're dealing with financial plans; it's not the most exciting thing. But I will say no. <laughs> to the listeners, I have never asked Marshall how he's doing and heard an answer that is less than outstanding. So he's always happy. Always so what does happy. that tell? What does that tell you? <laughs> but I, I wanted to format this in this episode in from the mistakes standpoint that you've seen because I know you've seen a lot, and then maybe mm-hmm. give some advice on how to avoid those mistakes or at least mitigate those mistakes and. The reason I want to take that angle is because we, as advisors, have seen the same mistake multiple times. And like you said, it's not complicated for us, but if somebody's not doing this every day or has done it for hundreds of people, it can be complicated. But I feel like these mistakes need to be addressed somehow. So we're trying to do our part here for this, and hopefully this is helpful. But some of these mistakes are literally costing thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. And I literally mean that. So I've said this before, by the way, Marshall, and I've had a listener email me and say, Dave, I have $650,000 in my retirement account. How is it possible that I make a million dollar mistake? It was a real question. And <laughs> yeah. I, here's the answer. And this is for Mike. Mike, if you're listening, <laughs> here's an easy example. You take the wrong pension option. This is a real example. And you name your son as beneficiary or your wife who's significantly younger. I've seen both. You are now taking around 40000 less from a pension than what you could have, right? And I know, Marshall, you'll get into this. Mike, you live for 30 years in retirement. You're taking $40,000 less per year. 30 years times 40000 by my math, is $1.2 million. My point is you don't need to have millions of dollars to make a million-dollar mistake. So I, I could go on and on. I know Marshall will get into this, but let's get after it with Marshall. Marshall, let's cover the big things that you've seen and the mistakes that you've seen. And let's just start with... A pension, any pension, New York state pension, whatever pension you want to talk about, but this could apply to every pension. Let's talk about the New York state pension. Yeah. No, pensions are, pensions are kind of a dying thing, right? 
But yep. for those who still have one, let's make sure that we're, you know, getting the most out of it, doing what's right. Because like that example you just shared for every mic, there's three more mics somewhere, mm. you know, just kind of wondering what did I do wrong here? And it's really just because people are afraid to ask for help, I think. And I do want to say before we get going, any of this stuff, I know you feel the same way. If, if people have questions about any of this at all, ask us, they definitely do not need to become a client, but I'd much rather help them even help them help their advisor. If they have one that they like, who might just not be as well versed in this stuff. So happy to help those people navigate this stuff just to make sure that we're not making those mistakes. But yeah. So what, I mean, you'd agree, right? I totally agree. And one thing I wanted to point out is that Mike example that I gave with the, the beneficiary is the son or the, the spouse is significantly younger. I don't even think those people knew that they made a mistake. They just right. knew they were getting a little bit less money. But when you put it in terms like we just put it, mm-hmm. $1.2 million that you could have had, they look back and they say, wow, I, how, how do, <laughs> can I change it? Which I know we can't. So yeah, the answer is um, no. <laughs> sometimes you don't even know you're making the mistake because of that old "you don't know what you don't know." Yeah, right. So yeah, that's the thing. That's why you got to ask a lot of questions. But specifically with pensions, the number one thing that I'm seeing people, you know, they have this false sense of confidence because they talk to their friend who's 20 years older than them, and they ask, "Hey, what did you do with this?" And then that's what they go ahead and do for themselves, just because of that. And we all know that's not really the best way to go about things, but it is a you feel safe because, you know, your friend who you work with for, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so gave you guidance on what they did that not that that won't work out for you, but it almost never really does just because that is such a personal decision. You know what I mean? So when you're talking about which option to take or who to make your beneficiary on that pension, those types of questions, they really need to be your decision, not someone else's. Yeah. And it's hard when you say that it, this, this happens all the time. Somebody 20 years or 10 years or five years older than you, who maybe even be like a mentor figure, right? So the person I've looked up to forever did this. I should do the same thing. Right. Probably does not apply. Yeah. And uh, that mantra is going to come back around here in this episode. I know it's going to, but the other thing too, that I get this question usually like once or twice a month actually, but you know, it's funny enough, literally just yesterday, I had a conversation with a client about this because she emailed me and let me know that she was moving to Georgia and asked me what she should do with her pension. And I told her if there's even a 0.001% chance that she could possibly come back to New York and teach ever again, then you should definitely not touch your pension. And that's just because, you know, right now everyone complains about tier six, right? You shouldn't, but also to yeah. <laughs> don't complain about tier six, but because what I'm saying is if she moves out, cashes out her pension, then comes back maybe 15 years down the road, I can guarantee you that tier six is better than whatever tier she'd be coming back into. So if she leaves it there and she, and she comes back, she can come right back into the tier six. Okay. Which was going to look a lot better down the road when there's a tier seven or tier eight, probably. <laughs> right. What, what type of money are you talking about? So people contribute to their pension. Correct. They build up some sort of lump sum that it sounds like she could move into an IRA account in Georgia. Like, how much is she looking at? Not a lot relative to what her benefit could be. Right. Okay. So, I mean, perfect figures. I, I have no way of telling you that, but just for comparison's sake, okay. You know, that example that you just gave, it's like it might be $40,000 a year pension at some point down the road. Yep. You know, you're cashing out, you're not getting even close to 
anything like that at all. <laughs> no, you're typically trading from what I've seen, Marshall, is maybe five to ten thousand dollars one time right. into an IRA versus forty, sixty, eighty thousand dollars per year for the rest right. of your life in retirement. Yeah. So and it's worth it to leave my five to ten thousand in an account for the chance that maybe I might come back because you can always transfer it later, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, and it's not going anywhere, right? That money's not going anywhere. So it's just one of those things. It's like, I mean, the obvious thing would seem like, oh, I need to get this money out of here, but it's just not really how it works out usually. So, you know, just being careful with that type of stuff. Other ones real quickly about pensions though, you know, just not knowing the options when it does come time to take your benefit, because there are quite a few different options and starting with the full benefit. And then you kind of work your way down different reductions. That's a much more specific formula. So it's not really worth talking about here, but just make sure you're, you know, you're working with somebody to actually look at those numbers, choosing why, and actually knowing why. I think we could easily tell our clients which pension benefit to take after doing some planning. It's just that I really find a lot of value in having the client be able to explain to me why they took the benefit that they did. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. The and one thing to add to that, the when people get their pension booklet, they get a booklet every year, they can log online and they see a number. What I have seen is that people think that that is their pension number. So for example, if they see $80,000 is that number, they just think that they're getting 80,000. Many people don't know that in order to leave something behind, they're going to get less than that number. Right. So I've run into so many people that are counting on that quote $80,000 that that's actually not going to be their number if they want to leave anything behind, then it may be too late. So you want to plan for that in advance. Yep. Yep. And then the last thing, just real quick with pensions yep. and basically every other type of retirement account there is, but just updating beneficiaries that after things like somebody passes away, might get divorced or married, whatever, you got to make sure those things are updated. And that's something that you're working with your advisor that that shouldn't be an issue to make sure those things are updated, but you know, just something to throw out there. Yeah. And there's plenty going on with the pension. So what is the, back to the public school thing here, what's the second mistake that you might see or you see frequently? Yeah. Second one, I'd say the most, the most questions that we get about this obviously come in June or leading up to June when people are getting ready for summer, thinking about, you know, maybe they just had a really rough year and then the district might offer them $25,000, $35,000 to retire. Most of the time that's called a retirement incentive. Yep. People are very tempted and it makes a ton of sense, right? To say, oh man, they're paying me $35,000 to <laughs> go and retire. I'm like, man, this is a dream. But <laughs> the challenge with sometimes that I encounter with that is explaining why that might not be the most advantageous thing to do. And I say that because $35,000 seems like a lot of money to go ahead and walk away. But what, you know, what they don't realize, and they, they might know this, but they might be making ninety dollars to $100,000 per year salary. And then the school district can hire three of those people for the same price, right? Of course, they want to get you out of there. But for you as an individual, if you don't have the planning set up properly to comfortably do that and leave and walk away from a nice salary like that, that is a huge issue because you know, $35,000 into a 403B account sounds very nice, but when you stick around for another year and then you make another $90,000 and there's a ton of planning that can go involved with that, especially if you think that you're ready to walk away. So if you can stick it out another year, that's another year of salary, another year of planning, another year of saving, and just another step towards a much more comfortable retirement. And I usually find the people that take our advice and stick around for an extra year 
or two, if they're not set up properly, that is, are just so much better off, more comfortable and ready, you know? Oh yeah. Yes. I think sometimes it's, it's really hard to convince people that know they want to leave. Right. Mm -hmm. Even if they're not ready, but then they see an incentive. I tell people to just say that this, this incentive, you should already be ready to retire. And then if they offer it, it's a bonus, Yeah, but don't count on it. Right. Or what I said was let it convince you to retire because people, they don't want us to tell them they can't retire. Right. But Mm -hmm. I have no problem as a financial advisor delivering the news. You need to work another year. Yeah. And I know sometimes people do not want to hear that, especially Marshall after the last year at schools. I've been doing this for a long time. I think I had more people retire last year. I feel like I've said this every year for the last three years, more people last year retire than every other year combined, which makes sense based on the year that we had with the pandemic and all that stuff going on. And then the school districts offering some incentives. But if you're not ready to retire already, my blanket advice, and this does not apply to everybody, but the blanket advice is don't let the incentive push you out. And then there's the way you can take the incentive, right? Mm-hmm. So many people will actually take the incentive as cash. So I wanted to talk about this because I had a district before where it's, and they'll appreciate this. Either everybody took it in their 403B or nobody could. So there was a group of eight of them. There was <laughs> seven of them were like, yes, put it in my 403B. And then there was the one guy who just said he wants the cash. He doesn't trust it. He wouldn't, he wouldn't get my social security number, um, whatever it is, but he wanted the cash. I tried to help the district convince him to put it into a 403B for a day because it's, by the way, it's better for the district, but it's also better for the, the person. If he can put it in a 403B into a money market account with zero risk and take it out the next day, he could potentially save a lot of money in New York state taxes because- the first 20,000 that comes out of a 403B after age 59 and a half, which he was in New York state is tax-free. So if he took 20,000 out as cash that goes on his taxes that year, he's going to have to pay taxes. If you put it in a 403B and took it right back out, he saves six or 7%, 12 to $1,400 by putting it into the 403B. So were you able to convince him? No, (laughs) actually, no. no, no, he didn't do it. And by the way, the other seven people then had to take it as cash. Yep. That's a disaster. They weren't happy. That was a few years ago. But anyway, yeah. So the incentive thing, we have pension incentive so far. What's what's another mistake that you see? <laughs> so speaking of taxes, okay. Yep. That is something that people neglect to think about because right now in in today, if you're saving a no four through B on the traditional side, right? I mean, you're going to save on taxes, right? But the problem with that is that's the savings today. The, the thing that I run into all the time that people never even think about is saving after tax dollars. Okay. Because the problem with that is when you're taking, when you're thinking about this forward thinking, maybe 20, 30, however far away you are from retirement, when you're saving on that pre-tax side, like I said, you're getting that tax benefit now, but what people don't think about is down the road, we have no clue what tax brackets are going to be four years from now. We have, so we have even less of a clue what they'll be 40 years from now. Okay. So you really want to be able to, people think of diversification in terms of of investments, but you really need to think of it in terms of taxed dollars, right? So if you have some pre-tax and after-tax, you're better off because, you know, like I said, we can't control the tax brackets, but we can control where we're taking money from 
if we have those options. So it's so important for people to think about that now while they're still earning a paycheck and they have time to, to do this. Where that's where it's really important to be not only how much you're saving, but where you're saving it into, whether you're saving it into something like a Roth 403B if it's available to you or a Roth IRA away from the district or whatever it might be. But yeah, I mean, that is something that's very, very important. And that's something that like, if I just get my hands on some people before they're two years out from retirement, we can make a huge difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about, I've delivered the same message and probably 25 different episodes just over and over again. And also <laughs> I think in every single one of our age-based series, so we did one on the twenties and thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, yeah, yeah. every one of them we were talking about after tax dollars. So <laughs> if I were a person just listening though, Marshall, I would say, guys, you're already talking about me saving for the future. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm putting money into my 403B. What else do I have to, like, how much more can I do? So how do you right. help your clients figure out how much to save into what you said, traditional 403B pre-tax yep. today? How do you help them balance out the pre-tax today and then also saving some after-tax today that won't be taxed later? Yeah. No, I mean, so that's a great question, but the way I look at it is if, well, first of all, kind of a fun thing to say and think about is that you're probably making as little money as you ever will ever again while you're working. Okay. Because generally speaking, you're going to want to, you're going to want to raise every single year. So if we're looking at tax brackets as something that changes pretty constantly, you just need to look at where you're at today, right? And like where you're going to end up this tax year. Okay. So if you're in a lower tax bracket relatively, that's probably a good indication that you can not totally shut off your pre-tax savings, but maybe, you know, just emphasize saving on the raw side and just get some after-tax dollars going now. But then next year might be totally different. You flip it back. That's why you got to work with someone to figure that stuff out. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. If I'm a person and I'm meeting with you, Marshall, and I'm, I'm whatever, a 45 year old teacher. And I say, Marshall, we've gone through my plan. I've got after my basic expenses are paid. I want to get serious about saving for retirement. I've got $700 a month. I can save towards something. That is something yep. you, you help clients figure out. Like I, I can do 200 here and 500 here, whatever. Yeah. Those are actually out. the exact numbers I was just about to say, because I mean, that's pretty typical. It's like, that's pretty yeah. normal. But again, I mean, yeah, it, it's going to be a portion of that. It's not going to be like, Oh, we're, since you can say, since you're saving this much to your you know, you're just 403B that you've been doing for the last 10 years. Let's add more to the raw side. That's not always how it's going to work. It's like we figure out how much you can save and then we figure out where it's going. And then again, I already said this, but I love when the clients can recite back to me and tell me why, right? Yep. Because they need to understand why that's happening and why we're doing it. And we're just going to go over it again next year. We're going to make sure that we're set up yeah. properly that year too. Yeah. And it's not like it's a test, but I always find after a few years of doing this, they can tell me basically what we're doing. And that's awesome. Yeah. So the mistake here is not saving after tax dollars, which is exactly has been a common theme so far. And we mentioned pension, 403B, social security, all that stuff being pre-tax. We want to save some after tax dollars. The next mistake, I think we want to get into some 403B planning itself. So uh, we could do an entire two hours on mistakes and 403B <laughs> plans themselves. But what are you seeing right now? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, there's so much. There's so much yeah. about this. But, you know, I know you've been doing this for a while, but just working with 403B plans in schools in general is, is become, it's so different, right? So it's so different than what people are used to. It's like some people will get hired right out of college at some, like, I don't know, like Google or something like that. And they don't have 
a bunch of options. It's pretty straightforward. You just go in, this is your 401k plan. Here you go. When you go to a public school and they have the big list of companies, it's just, it's just a free for all. Okay. So it's like you get hired and just imagine someone's first job or something like that. And now they're getting blasted by emails from financial advisors and, you know, in finger quotes, I guess we'll say, but just getting absolutely blasted with emails from people who make it seem like they work for the district or something like that. It shouldn't be this hard, right? So it's just find someone who can explain to you what's going on. You trust them. And just knowing, again, I say this all the time and I tell clients this, I need you to know why we're choosing this specific option rather than the 12 other ones that are on this list. Okay. And, you know, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's just, it's, I think it's, I think it's gotten a little bit out of hand. I think fourth B plans are a little bit inherently expensive. So you need to be aware of that also and know what you're paying for it and know who you're paying for it and who's benefiting from what you're doing <laughs> and also make sure that it's, you know, mainly benefiting you, right. As the client. Yeah. Yeah. And, and listen, I, when I started in our business, it's very different than it is now. We, we, we this makes me sound really old and it's actually not yeah, that bad. I mean, but how like old we, are did, you? we didn't have emails. Like we didn't have an email thing set up like we do now. So now it's so <laughs> yeah. easy. You go on a school website and I'm telling you, you guys know this is happening. The people that are listening know this is happening. You can go on a, a website, pull up a staff list and I can email any of them. If yeah. I were a school, I'd shut that down in a second, by the way. So some have, some have, which I think yeah. is great. If there's any school administrators listening, that's this <laughs> is what's happening. <laughs> they're going on there. They're you go on the staff list, you shoot out an email saying, Hey, I'm gonna be in the area next week. Can you meet after school? I work for the school, I work with the New York State pension and the school helping set up 403Bs. Listen, that's just not true. When I started, we actually walked around to schools and met people face to face, or we'd meet in the lounge, or we'd sit in the lounge and you bring cookies for the teachers or something, and they yeah. come over and talk to you. And I mean, we set up thousands of accounts that way. And one of the things I would say, looking back, it was very helpful to help meet people and get them saving for retirement. But a, a second option here is when they work for a company, just be careful because the only thing they're going to offer you is that company's 403B. Marshall said it, there may be 11 or 12 options. There may be a better option than what that one company has to offer. How do you sort that all out? You meet with an independent advisor. I don't care who it is. Meet with them. They're going to look at the list and say, this one makes the most sense for you. And it doesn't really affect how we get paid. And they should also walk through that. How do they get paid? But anyway, they, you said 11 or 12 403Bs. Uh, one of the schools, when I started Marshall, had 164 different providers on their list. That, that's real. And imagine if you're a new teacher at a district and you have, if half of them are paying attention, you get right. 82 <laughs> emails about setting up your 403B. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So what I would say is you, when you rev- have you reviewed your plan itself, and when I, say, when I say that, what I mean is not just reviewing your investments. So people say, yeah, I met with my advisor. I reviewed the plan. I know how much I'm saving. I'm talking about the actual name on the plan. So if you have XYZ 403B, does it make sense to move the entire thing over to ABC 403B, which mm-hmm. 401k folks don't have to worry about because they just have company A. That is their 401k. 403Bs, you should also be reviewing the plan itself and making sure it's flexible. I would never, I, should, I can't say never, I can't say that on a podcast, I guess, very, very, very rarely get into an account that costs me anything to get out of. And people are right. surprised when we, we meet with them and we say, hey, you know what? In seven more years, you can move your 403B over without a penalty. And they're saying, what? What does that even mean? 
I didn't even they've know they already that had it for five. <laughs> yeah. And they've already had it for five. Cause yeah, it be up to possibly 12 years. Right. So don't lock yourself 15, <laughs> 20 years ago. It made, might've made sense, but with the new plans today, it almost, almost never yeah. makes sense to get into a plan that you're stuck in. And I would ask those questions. If you're listening to this, ask your advisor, does it cost me anything to get out of my 403B? And then I can almost guarantee you that that was not explained up front in a meeting. Because if, if someone came in and said, Hey, by the way, this is your 403B for 12 years. You can't move it out of here without a penalty. If they explained it like that, you should be sitting there saying, well, why am I doing that? Aren't there other options? Right? So again, I could go on and on about 403B plans, but schools are moving in the right direction. I think Marshall, that one district has gone from 164 providers to 12. That'll cut yeah. down on some emails. Wow. Um, Still confusing, <laughs> but I know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I've seen some trends with that actually too, because that is something that you got to look at as a list of companies that are literally competing for you. Okay, but the and that and I'm talking about on the company level, not like those people walking around and knocking on doors and and all that other stuff. I'm, I'm talking about literally like the actual design of the fourth B plan from the company. So that's something you need to pay attention to and make sure that you are available to it. As in, again, the person that you're working with maybe doesn't have a polo with that name on it. Right. So like, right, right. you know, we want to be careful of that. So how, Marshall, I'm a busy teacher. So I'm being serious when I ask this, how, how do you even know where to begin? It's like, listen, I signed up for my 403B. Someone walked in. I, I signed up with Dave in 2003. I'm all set, Marshall. I don't think I need to do anything else. I know I'm saving money. I'm good. What do you say to those people? <laughs> so what I say to those people is if you like Dave, that's great but make sure you're working with them on a regular basis. And we have, we ha- I know we, you've probably alluded this a million times in this podcast, but the 10 questions you should ask a financial advisor, if anyone needs that, let us know, we'll get it to them. Yeah. But that's a really good place to start. So you can kind of go through those questions with somebody. And if they don't know the answer to them, that's an issue, right? So if you can start there, but really, I mean, just, you know, you got to think about, we've already said it, but how often you're reviewing, how much you're contributing, why you're doing that. If someone can't explain to me why they're, contributing what they're contributing or using which plan they're using, that's usually a red flag, you know, and then that might, that might be fine, but it's just, you know, it's usually a red flag. Well, it's a mistake, right? So another mistake that you can bring up in for public school, it's like, I know I have my pension. I know I'm going to get social security and I'm saving $150 a paycheck. Right. Why? Right. So the mistake that the mistake I would point out is how much are you saving and why? Like, is that bringing you closer to your goal? How much do you actually need in retirement? I've said this a thousand times, Marshall. How much are you going to need? Where's it going to come from? Yep. So anyway, we'll move on from the 403Bs. That could be an entire episode in itself. And what's another mistake that you see from- Just in general? Yeah. 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 So 403B plans are a little bit weird too, because if you're 55, because you know, 55 is like the big age for tier four people that they can get out of the, the and retire. So- for that reason, right? They're able to take money out after 55 and use it. You know, like I said, if they're retired, right? So yep. the challenge that I've seen happen a million times, not a million, but close to it probably, <laughs> <laughs> is maybe an advisor would, because typically when you change jobs and you have money freed up, it's a good indicator to get that money out into an IRA away from any employer. So you have a ton of different investment options. It makes a lot of sense a lot of the time generally. But the challenge with that is when you're 55 and you left and you're retired, moving that money into an IRA can really get you into trouble because what some people don't realize is that that money is available to them at 55 if it's in a 403B plan. But as soon as you move that out into an IRA, 
you just added four and a half more years on because now you have to be 59 and a half to actually access that money without paying a penalty. Okay. So that it's just something that people might not even think about because it's typical, like, Oh yeah, yeah. We just separated from service or whatever, or my money's freed up. Let's get it out, invest into an IRA, but you really got to hold off and make sure that that's going to work out for you because that's a bad surprise when people don't think of that. Or if the advisor maybe encourages them to do that because of some sort of conflict of interest that might be underlying there, you know, that that's a bad surprise. We don't like surprises. Yeah. So I, I'll give you a real example on this. I have a client that I worked with and I still work with him, but at he retired at 55, 32 years in tier, tier four um, mm-hmm. and tier four principal retires. We'll say he had $500,000 in his 403B. He approached me and said, Dave, I need to roll this into my IRA. And I said, well, you're retiring at 55. How much are you going to need from it? And he said, well, I'm planning on taking $1,000 a month. And I said, okay, well, if you move that into an IRA, you cannot do that without a penalty. So minimally, let's leave some money in the 403B and transfer the rest out to an IRA, if that makes sense. But at least know that at 55 years old, the rule is 55 years old, five years in the plan and separated from service. You have to be all three of those things. 55 years old, five years in the plan and separated from service. Then you can get your money out of the 403B without a penalty. When it goes to an IRA, the rule is 59 and a half years old. So we do have that interesting gap between 55 and 59 and a half, just to be aware of. Some people don't need it. Some say, I'm never going to touch it. I'm just always very careful either way because you never know what's going to come up. And I'm a big fan of being flexible in any financial plan. So moving money out of the 403B into an IRA too soon is definitely a mistake that I've seen too many times. So yeah. what, what else do we have? for a mis- Give me another mistake. And we'll <laughs> well, I, want, I want to reiterate flexibility because I love that about yep. all of this stuff. You need to keep you need to keep yourself flexible. But anyway, so the last one that we're going to talk about last one of probably a lot more, but just not having a plan in general, when you're done, like, and I'm talking about like a financial plan when you're done, I'm just thinking about like a life plan. Like, what are you going to do? You know, when you flip the switch and now you don't have to wake up and go into the school and and teach or whatever you do, if you're the principal, whatever it is, I mean, you, you have that purpose every single day. That's something people just don't think about. And they're like, oh, no, I just want to be done. Well, like, what are you going to do? You know, you got to figure something out. Like my, my grandma's 82 years old. She still works at a flower shop. You know what I'm saying? And that that works for her. So not saying you need to go work until you're 82 years old, right? But yeah, just have a plan for what you're going to do all day. Spend your time. Well, yeah. I mean, human beings do better in general when they have something to strive for. They have some goals and they have some growth. Yeah. And, and listen to the listeners out there. I've done seminars and other things. So when I say thousands, I'm not exaggerating. I've heard thousands. I, I can retire. I'll keep myself busy. I am telling you guys, <laughs> 99 times out of a hundred, I'll give the one guy a fair shot that they're back doing something else or, you know, specific to schools. I will never sub. I will never go back there. I give you six months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it, I'm, not, I'm not picking on anybody, but until you're really doing quote, nothing after your home projects are done that you've put off for a long time, or after mm-hmm. you've gone on that vacation that you've wanted to go on and then you come back, then reality sets in and people, you can get bored quickly. If you're a busy person, you've been working at a school for 30, 35, 40 years. And now that's just done. That is a hard thing psychologically to handle. And you guys all know this if you're listening and from your friends that have retired, retirement doesn't feel like it is set in until the next school year starts, right? Mm-hmm. So if you leave on June 30th, July 1st, your first day of retirement, you're very excited. Next school year, the summer is always the summer 
for most people. Then when the next school year starts, they say, wow, now I feel like something's missing. This doesn't feel right after 40 consecutive years of working at a school. So the psychological factor of not having a plan for what you're going to do or building out your day, I've found myself helping a lot of people with volunteer opportunities or what are we going to do? What do we, if you have a lot of money saved for retirement or some money saved for retirement, you don't even have to have a lot of money. Can we put that to work for you to do something else? Or can you volunteer? Can you help? Are we going to go work part-time at a job that you've always loved? I have a lot of clients working at wineries or um, <laughs> awesome. Home Depot. Home Depot is a recent one. They just want to <laughs> work at Home Depot and show, it, it's great. I love it. And they're the happiest people in the world because they're doing what they want to do. Their pension check shows up every single month from New York state or wherever it's from. And they have some money saved in a 403B and they've lived out their plan, but not having a plan I am telling you guys, I've never seen it be successful because people want to be busy for the most part. Yeah, no kidding. And it's one of those things. It's like, you know how you say they don't really like it when we tell them you really can't retire. That's a whole nother reason why we might say that. Like, you really can't do it. You have no idea what you're going to do. And we don't want to lose you (laughs) as a person. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. So it's it's just one of those things. Those are fun conversations though. When I'm talking about really like, what do you want to do? Like, what are we going to do? to fill your day and, you know, give you that sense of purpose. I think, I think those are fun. Yeah. It's all part of actual financial planning. So when we're meeting somebody, it's not always about money and investments and things. It's what are we going to do? What's your plan? What's your goal? What are your expectations later on? All all of those things. So Marshall, is there anything else you wanted to go back to or cover? Or if our listeners want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Yeah. This might be a little unorthodox. Just find me on Facebook, add me, go on our website, you know, shoot me an email. Love to love to talk. Love to catch up. Just having some coffee meetings are are, <laughs> are just are just good good starts. You know what I'm saying? So let's get that going. But yeah, no. Before we before we sign off, I really just, just thanks for uh, having me on. I think if there's one thing that people can take out of this is just make sure that you're taking your time with this stuff and and feeling comfortable with what you're doing. And again, I'll say it again. Just understand what what you're doing and why you're doing it. That is important. Not just, oh, well, you know, my financial advisor told me and I like him and trust him, but it's great. Just know why you're doing it. I like it, Marshall. And there you go, ladies and gentlemen, Marshall Scheid on today's podcast. And I know he loves it when I say this, so I'm going to say it again. Make it a great day. (laughs) There it is. Make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. 
This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.